The following audio is from The Grove Church. For more information about the church or to listen to previous sermons, visit our website at grove.church. Anyways, on that note, now, how many of you remember New Kids on the Block? Just raise your hands. Yeah, I thought so. Changed my life. Okay, no, not really. No, not at all. But anyway, um, hey, we're in a series called Peer Pressure, and we're talking about the power of influence, uh, and so that's the series that we're in. Today's part three, so we, we talked about in part one uh, the power of peer pressure. The fact is it doesn't end simply because you turn a certain age, 18 or 21 or 25, and we also talked about uh, peer pressure is not always negative. There's also such thing as positive peer pressure. So that was part one. Then in part two, last week, the basic premise of the message is this, that alone is not God's plan for us. God wants us to live connected to one another in community. And so that was part two. And you can always um, listen to the podcast online. If you go to grove.church, you can uh, find it on iTunes as well, Grove Church Marysville. But today is part three, and we're talking about the right stuff. Hence, the new kids on the block, which I'm sure you'd appreciate. But um, Uh, I think that that for all of us, I would imagine this is true for all of us, Um, we've all been around people who are tank fillers, and we've been around people who are tank drainers. How many guys would raise your hands and say, you know what I'm talking about, and do not nudge your neighbor right now, okay? Um, But uh, the truth is, individuals that are tank fillers, they tend to be people that are encouraging, they tend to be people that lift others up, Um, they believe the best, Um, they, they feed your soul um, as opposed to tank drainers um, that honestly, they, they tend to be more discouraging. You feel like maybe they bring you down a bit. They're, they're, they lean towards being more skeptical or you could say critical. Um, they, they drain your soul. And, and let me be honest with you. There's some people that, that kind of make an excuse for kind of where they are or how they are. And well, you know, I'm not you know, as pretty as them or as good looking as them or I, I, don't, I can't afford this or that. And I got to be honest with you. I bring this up because I have been around people that, that individuals would say, well, they could make excuses for all these other things. And yet the spirit that they carry matters far more than anything as far as appearance or, or, or external at all. And so I would encourage you to not somehow, uh, you know, put it on the shelf because this doesn't apply to you. This is a conversation that I think applies to everybody. And so in the conversation about influence, about peer pressure, we've navigated, like I said, the last couple of weeks, but we've looked more through the lens of who is influencing you? Who's impacting you? What types of things are you allowing to give you sort of your worldview, whether it's the music you listen to, the people that you're around, the talk radio or the news channel or social media or whatever it may be. By the way, have you ever noticed on social media when people start making comments, it always tailspins into absolute you know, devastation? Anyone ever notice that? Like every time, just don't do that. Don't read those, okay? Anyway, but um. I want to talk today a little more about not just what kind of peer pressure we're letting in, but I want to talk some more today about what kind of peer pressure that we are. What kind of influence am I? What kind of, of, uh, you know, how do I pressure others? Am I an encourager or am I a discourager? Do I lift up or do I bring down? Because here's the facts, whether we like it or not. If I'm angry or sullen or constantly critical or, or, or kind of always a downer, then the truth is that's what I'm breeding in those around me. Whether it's my friendships or those I work with or, or simply the kids that I raise, if they see that, the fact is they're going to become that. And so it's a challenge for all of us. On the other side of it, if I live, and if you're taking notes, write this down, if I live according to Galatians 
which is the fruit of the Spirit, if I'm patient, if I'm kind, if I express love towards others, if I exist with self-control, then I'm also breeding that around me. So how do, we live, how do we live out this idea of positive peer pressure for others? Let me, let me mention this verse, and then we're going to be in Philippians 2 this morning. If you've got your Bibles with you, I encourage you to, to crack those open. If you don't, there's one in the seat in front of you. And of course, if you've got a smartphone, you can look it up on a Bible app. Um, version is a great Bible app. You can use the one I use all the time. Philippians 2 is where we're going to land. Let me, let me rewind just for a moment and mention Proverbs 18, 24. There are Um, It says this in the New King James. It says, if you want to have friends, you yourself must be friendly. Everybody say, well, duh, okay? That's obvious, but not everybody understands that. They they wonder, how come I can't make friends? How come people don't like to be around me? How come I constantly feel alone? And the reminder from Proverbs 18.24 is this, are you friendly? Do you reach out and extend yourself towards others, or are you constantly complaining that nobody wants to connect with you and you're living in sour grapes? So I'm not looking at anybody in particular, but anyway. um, Philippians 2, and I'm going to start here at verse 1. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from His love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded having the same love, being one, uh, being, uh, excuse me, in one spirit and, and, and one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you looking to the interests of others. God, we want to stop and, and just pray and really just invite you to to open our eyes in this conversation, to help us understand, Lord, it's not just what, what influences are around us that are influencing us, but it really is what kind of influence do I have on those around me, and help us grasp this, that we can leave here hopefully seeing a little bit differently. In Jesus' name, amen. So again, here's Paul. He's writing a letter to the church at Philippi, and we get to this point where we would say chapter 2, verse 1, but he's basically saying this as he opens up this segment here. He's basically saying, if you call yourself a follower of Christ, if you say you're following Jesus, if you've admitted he's your Savior and invited him to be the Lord of your life, if you've taken that step and you're living it out, then the natural outflow of your life will be a certain comfort from his love, a common sharing in the Spirit, a tenderness and a compassion that begins to develop in you. So he's challenging the church at Philippi. If you say you're a follower of Christ, then here's the natural outflow of what will become of your life. And he says this, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being alike minded. And he, he, he gets into this and he talks about it a couple of times here and the Bible mentions this a lot, this whole idea of where our mind goes, what our mind is about. And Paul is pleading to the church that if indeed you're a follower of Christ, then what will happen is this tenderness will develop in you. You'll begin to, to be encouraged by others because you begin to go, hey, I learned that too. Wow, God is showing me this as well. There's a certain like-mindedness, but it's the power of how we think. So if you want to talk about how to be positive peer pressure for others where it begins is capturing our thoughts everybody say capture my thoughts okay this whole idea of capturing our thoughts is a big deal 
Paul at, at another point to the church in Corinth, and remember, in the Bible, Corinth was the party church. The church in, you know, the, the, the letters to the Corinthians was Paul's challenge to them because they were the party church. They were doing things that, that nobody would think would be okay at all, and Paul's like, what's wrong with you people? I mean, we're talking like worse than swinging from chandeliers. We're talking like uh, overdoing it on communion, you know, like, like wine, um, you know, certain things that are not PG at all. And Paul's going, you guys got to tone it down a bit. But one of the things he says in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, if you're taking notes, write that down as well, says this, for though we live in the world, we don't wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. You go, well, why did you go into this whole you know, list of verses, verses three through five? The reason is because, again, Paul is setting up this case for why you and I need to be careful what we think about. He says we take captive every thought under the obedience of Christ. And what he's saying is, as you navigate your day, and I want you to think about this, the places that you'll go tomorrow and Tuesday and Wednesday, and Thursday, and all throughout your week, the individuals that you'll come in contact with, the things that you'll see, whether it's on a computer monitor, or a smartphone, or it's the people you navigate with in relationship in your family, or whatever it might be, let me ask you this, what's going on in your thoughts? What are you thinking about throughout the day? Does your mind dwell on people that you don't like? Do you start having anger fantasies about what you'd like to do to them if you could have your way? Do you, do you constantly struggle with, with, with this temptation to, to pick up that, that bottle or, or, or navigate that addiction and sort of get away with it because you've been trying to hide it for so many years? What, what is it for? Is it, is it that you're married, but there's somebody that, that you navigate life with wherever you might go that sort of tempts you to, to, to take a step that you know you shouldn't take, and so you think about those things throughout your day and, and how you could maybe get away with it? We get to hear stories, and I'm sure you do as well, all the time of people that are trying to get away with things that God would say, don't go there. And the truth is, it all begins with your thoughts. It all begins with your mind. I'm excited. Later this fall, we're going to do a series called Mind Games, and we're going to talk about the power of transformation. Keep in mind, I didn't grow up in church. I, I didn't have this church memory and all these things about the standards that, that you know, maybe a church kid, quote-unquote, ought to have. And so having come into church in, in high school, I had all kinds of other things in my head. And so this whole idea for me of capturing my thoughts was a big deal. And I would remind all of us, this is Paul's uh, uh, challenge to the church. We take captive every thought. You go, well, what does that mean? What, what exactly is that? It's that when things begin to come into your mind, what do you do with them? Do you just let them in and let them go wherever they go? And so you're, you end up in places where if you invited Jesus in and said, hey, Jesus, here's everything I'm thinking about, would he go, great job? Or would he go, oh, okay, we got some stuff in here that needs some sweeping out. That's what it is. It's ultimately asking Jesus, what do you think about what I'm thinking about? And if it doesn't gel with those things that, that Jesus desires in our lives, then that's where we need to go, Lord, here this is. 
And God, I'm not being faithful in my mind to my marriage. God, I'm not living a, a, a pure life and, 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 and you know, I have this hidden thing going on that I'm too ashamed to talk about, but I keep falling prey to it. God, I, I, I can't, thank you, Steve. I can't find forgiveness. I constantly live in bitterness. There, there's no way, and, and we make all these excuses for why this stuff exists. And I'm, I'm telling you, I, I, I'm strong, I, I say this strongly, and I've got another point here I'm gonna make in just a moment that I think is just as good, but it's this whole thing of what am I dwelling on? If you're taking notes, write down Colossians 3.2. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. Taking captive every thought. The second thing is this. If we want to be positive, peer pressure, as we guard our hearts, and, and, and or, I'm sorry, as we capture our thoughts, the next step is we've got to guard our hearts. And you go, well, what's the difference? Isn't that just the same as, as you know, capturing our thoughts? No, no, I would challenge you with this. The difference for me is, in your mind, you've got to be careful what enters. In your heart, you've got to be careful what camps out. That's the difference. See, there, there's, this, there's this filter that you go through where, as you're thinking about it, the, the filter is, Jesus, are we good with this? Are you good with these thoughts? And if there's a point where you realize he's not, then, I would ch- then I've got to set that aside. God, forgive me for allowing my mind to go there. Lord, let me dwell on you. Now, I'm going to take a time out, and I didn't have this plan, but I think it's worth at least saying. Some of you go, I don't know what Jesus wants and doesn't want in my life. I'm, I'm kind of new to this, or I'm figuring this out. What do I do? Always, 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 I say go back to be a faithful reader of Scripture. I believe that is absolutely step one. Be a faithful reader of the Bible. And you go, but I've opened it and I don't understand it. It's okay, give it time. And sometimes it's, you know, instead of reading Ezekiel, starting off your Bible reading plan, you're like, don't start in Ezekiel, okay? Don't, even, don't start in Revelation, don't go to the end, okay? All that'll do is like, what in the world, you know? But, but like the Gospel of John or the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Some of the things that Paul wrote to the churches he was encouraging as young believers. Philippians is one of those. It's a great book. James was the first book of the Bible I ever read. The, fir- I, the first one I ever read. I remember as a kid I had a, a Bible um, that my aunt and, and uncle gave me and they wrote in it and you know and said, little Nikki you know so glad to give you this. Like, Don't call me that anyway. But I, it's, I can see it right now. It's written right there. Um, but I would try to open it, and just like a normal person, I'll just start in the beginning, right? And man, I get to like chapter 7 of Genesis, and like, ah, oh, whatever. But that's where, as I gave my life to Christ, I learned you don't just start at the beginning, oddly enough. Start in the New Testament. I would say read the Bible. The second thing is, if you don't do this, make it a habit to invite the Holy Spirit to show you things. And you can say, well, I don't, how does that work? Honestly, it's this. God, show me how to live well. Show me how to make the right decisions. Show me what's right and what's wrong. I, I don't always know. And I love that that's part of this journey that we're on of finding out. Because even Paul says, find out what pleases the Lord. So that a little time out there as far as capturing our thoughts and then getting the right things in. Um, a second, like I said, guard my heart. Je- Jesus in Matthew 15, verses 17 through 20 says this, don't you see that whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach and then out of the body? So a little anatomy there, so good. But then he goes into, listen to verse 18. Um, the things that come out of a person's mouth come from the heart, and these defile them. For out of the heart come evil thoughts. And then he expounds on it. Murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, slander. These are what defile a person. 
Paul says what, what, you, what you let in by not capturing your thoughts correctly camps out in your heart, and, and that's where he begins to go. When you let it camp out there, it will inevitably be what comes out. If you're filling yourself with the patterns of, of this world, Romans 12 talks about this, if you're filling yourself with, with all of the latest whatever in, in pop culture, I would, I would say that's a dangerous pattern to create because if that's what's going in, inevitably somebody will push your buttons. Inevitably you'll be tempted a certain direction one way or another because we all face whatever temptations for, for each of us it is. And, and when that happens, what do you do? What comes out? Anybody remember? I'm thinking Elf. Remember Elf? And he's doing that. But you get to the point where the lid's going to pop. For every single one of us, at some point, the lid's going to pop. What's going to come out? Whatever was put in. The good man brings good things out of the good stored up in them, Jesus says. It says that from out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, immorality, theft, false testimony, slander. Do we guard our heart the way that we're supposed to? Or do we allow and make excuses for what camps out there and then we're shocked when our buttons get pushed, we're startled when all of a sudden we're lured a certain direction and all of that stuff comes out? Where did that come from? Oftentimes we really shouldn't be surprised. Capture my thoughts. Number two, guard my heart. And then finally, the third thing is this, being, becoming positive peer pressure, taking responsibility for my actions. Paul says that, that make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being in one spirit and of one mind, doing nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility considering others before ourselves. It's a thing where we, we, we capture our thoughts, then we guard our hearts, and as we're walking that out, then, then we begin, it's, it's, it's an action thing, we do. What I think affects what's in my heart, which eventually becomes how I behave. And there are people that go, but God, I can't help it. This is how I am. This is how great grandpa was, and so this is how grandpa was, so this is how my dad was, and so this is how I am. And I'm sorry, but I want to challenge that all day long because people say this is just how I am. I'm an addictive personality. This is just what, what I do. I didn't grow up in church, and I could tell you all day long, yes, I grew up in, in a format of life where it's a hand-me-down thing. This is how my family was. And here are the, the constant addictions and, and issues in my family that weren't healthy. But you know what? I refuse to accept that those have to continue to hinder me when now I'm in Christ. And we get so shy about this and we go, well, I don't know. That's just my psychologist said, and I'm not against psychology and I am not against going to counseling. And I think there's something wildly healthy about processing things that we go through. Great. But sometimes those things become an excuse for why we can't change. Behold, Paul said to the party church in Corinth, if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. Behold, the old things are gone and all things become new. Are we going to believe it or not? Are we going to fall prey to it or not? I'm a bomb guard and we're just jerks, so they're a jerk and they're a jerk and now I'm a jerk. 
And by the way, I could tell you all day long, there's certain patterns I see in my family where, where addiction can be a challenge. So you know what I choose to do? Stay away from those things. There's plenty of friends that I have that we hang out and they might have a beer. Great, I don't. Because I've seen what some of those things can do in my family. Does the Bible say don't ever drink? It doesn't say that. And I know people love the liberty on this one. Yeah, it doesn't say that, so I can have all I want. No, it doesn't say that either. It says wine is a mocker, beer is a brawler, and if you're led astray by them, you're not wise. It says do not get drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. We, we love the first part. Well, it says don't get drunk. I'm not getting drunk. But the second part, how filled are you with the Holy Spirit? How empowered are you to walk out this life that we're called to be different? Take responsibility for what we do. There's things I absolutely have to keep plenty of margin from in my life. I don't go to the casino. Well, I do to eat lunch, but anyway. <laughs> I have been. Can't say I don't, but I don't go to, I don't gamble. Because you know what happened to me about 10 years ago? I don't have a gambling addiction. But one time for my 10th anniversary, eight years ago, one time for, for our, <laughs> my, ten, my 10th anniversary, Heather and I went to Las Vegas. I had never been. I'm like, great, I'd love to see the little Eiffel Tower and you know, walk the strip and all that stuff. So we went and you two was playing, we went to the concert and that was great. But um, when, when we went, I remember, um, I think I, I did $5 for um, penny slots. And I know you're going, come on, seriously, you're an idiot. Hey, you might be at the craps table. I'm not, okay? But, but I, I remember doing the $5 thing, and I lost it within like a minute. But listen, and this is a simple example for me. I remember feeling like, oh, I could get it back. I thought that. I was like, and I didn't. I didn't do anything else because I knew. And that might be a really dumb example, and you go, you, you just can't handle what I can handle. Fine. Fine. All day long, I'll admit that. But I also realize that there are certain patterns within my family lineage that that's been an issue. So I go, you know what? I'm going to keep as much margin as possible between where I'm at and the cliff. See, taking responsibility for how we live because I want to be positive peer pressure. I, I want to be the kind of person that, that I'm not a drainer or a downer and constantly critical and, and living stuck in these patterns where people are around me, they go, I don't want to be around you. I run the other way. Have you ever been around somebody that's such a drainer that you go, I want to run? Now, I hope that's not me. I saw you. Mm -mm. It, it is not easy to be an encourager in a world where, oh my goodness, it was supposed to end yesterday. Did you catch this? Like somebody, I don't know why they listen to some person. This is it. That's the day. Once again, like, do we read the Bible at all? It says we don't even know. We just don't know. And people are all up in arms and like, oh, head to the hills, sell everything. I don't know. But, but in a world where it's like the sky is falling and, and we can all go, okay, let me just, let me just say, um, like, okay, North Korea. We all go, oh, geez. You know, Russia, okay. You can just name a whole laundry litany of, of political whatevers. National anthem at NFL games. I mean, what, what, Hurricane Harvey and Irma and, and Maria. I mean, all these things, it's like... And there's plenty of personal things that people are walking through beyond just like the worldwide everything's falling. It is not easy 
to be an encourager in a world that's constantly discouraging, right? It's not easy, which is why we have to be so careful. I, I, I don't, if you watch hours and hours of news channel, be careful. First of all, I don't know how they can spin like five minutes of news into like four hours. I don't get it. Like it's just the same story over and over. But, but that's the kind of thing that just gets us all shriveled up. Our souls just become shriveled up. So to be honest, not that we live ignorantly, but, but, but we're aware the world is a dark place. Is anyone not aware? Anyone? Okay. We're aware. It's not like we're trying to play like everything's good. Just the upbeat pastor and we're just upbeat church. It's, it's, it's not like we don't deny reality. But it's like, you know, I'm not going to choose to live there. Because this world naturally pulls us in that direction. And all of a sudden, the peer pressure is all sour on you. hear that, and you hear that, and that person come. I'm so mad. What in the world? And it's a tailspin. So yes, we acknowledge it. We just choose to be a force for something good. And for the follower of Christ, that happens to be the light of Jesus in, in the world that needs it so bad. Because that's what we're called to be. If you're taking notes, I got a few verses I want you to write down and we're gonna kind of end this. The, the Bible over and over would remind us, encourage one another, build one another up, honor others, be devoted to one another. Romans 12.10, Colossians 3.2, which I mentioned a little bit ago. Philippians 2.3, which is in this text that I just read, and then Hebrews 10.25, and there's tons of others. But let me just ask this. Is positive peer pressure happening through you? Personally. Do you really process how you think? Do you capture your thoughts? Are you careful about what camps out in your heart? And finally, what do you do about it? How does that impact your interaction with other people so that you can be positive peer pressure in a world that desperately needs it? Do I fill or drain the tanks of others? On the communication card today, that's one of the, one of the boxes that we put on there. And we, we change it every week applicable to the message. But if you got the program, just grab that. It's a little card inside, a little gray card. And that's one of the boxes. One of them is, is you know, inviting Jesus into your life and making him your Lord and, and Savior. And we believe that's a huge deal. In fact, I would, I would say that's the most important decision you'll ever make. What do you do with Jesus? We believe that God loves each of, each of us so much that he sent Jesus to die for our sins because we couldn't figure our way out. We couldn't do enough good things. We couldn't think enough, whatever it might be, to sort of make up for anything we've done wrong. The Bible says the only solution for the issue of sin was that a, a perfect sacrifice could be made, and that was Christ. And so Jesus died for us. And if you've yet to invite him to be the Lord of your life, if you've yet to say, man, Jesus, forgive me for my sin, just come into my life, and, and I want you to be the, the, the one that's steering my ship. I want you to be the one that's, that's the Lord. If you haven't done that before, it's, 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 I believe it's the most important step you could ever take. And I, it leads to so many other things that in, in the midst of the challenges we face and all that we go through, man, having Jesus 
in our hearts, living in us, is so encouraging. And so if you're in here today and you haven't taken that step, I would encourage you to take that step. It's just believing in the work of the cross, that there's a God that loves you enough to deal with the issues of sin in your life. And that's what Jesus did. But he talks about how we gotta invite him in for forgiveness and for that fresh start. And then like I said, for, for some, it's that other box. It says, Lord, help me fill and not drain the tank of others. And my hope would be is as you walk through life tomorrow, today, Tuesday, whatever, that you're thinking about this. That, that you're really pondering, am I capturing my thoughts? Are they going places that God doesn't want? And if so, stop. Capture it, stop it. Deal with it. Lord, forgive me for letting that go in my head or whatever. And, and, and then guarding our hearts. That what's dwelling in there? Asking yourself if there's any beliefs, any, any things that are, are pulling you astray. It's so easy in, in, in the things of this world to get, make excuses for stuff that shouldn't be there. It's that whole thing of like, man, what's in my heart? And letting God do some house cleaning. And then finally, how it's causing us to live out what we think and what's in our hearts. God, thank you today. It's for that work of your Holy Spirit that would do something in all of us, Lord, to take inventory. To help us be more aware. That, that maybe it means that as we wake up in the mornings navigating this week that, God, we stop and go, Lord, I just want, help me with my thoughts today. Help me with what's in my heart today. Help me live it out to be positive, pure pressure. And Lord, even simply starting our day with a prayer that's not mechanical, but it's just it's, it's putting our, our lives in your hands each, each day. It's things that affect how we live, that your light shines through us. And thank you, God, even as we think about groups and being connected and, and having that kind of community that you desire for each of us, that there's something awesome about the people around us that can help us pull this off. Help us to fill and not drain the tanks of others. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Grove Church Podcast. If you want to keep up to date with us, like us on Facebook or sign up for our e-newsletter at grove.church.